Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, this is just a content warning. In this episode, we do discuss sexual assault and suicide. So if that's something that is an issue for you, then feel free to skip this one. My Song Suck would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to the elders both past and present. Hello and welcome to My Song Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to My Song Suck. I'm Alex Smith. I'm joined by my co-host, James Kehoe. Hello. And we're also joined by a special guest in the studio today. We have Ray Lee. Hey, how how you doing? Good. Thank you so much for coming in. Good. I recognize the intro song. It's Mr. (laughs) Heads and Tails. My kids are obsessed with that song. (laughs) We've been listening to it on repeat in the car. It is better than Wheels on the Bus, though, I have to say. Thank you. I'm gonna put that, I'm gonna put that on my resume. <laughs> Better than Wheels on the Bus. That's yeah. high esteem. Wheels on the Bus has been around for a long time, so it's been yeah. dethroned. Mr. Heads and Tails is going to last for at least my children's lifetime, <laughs> and that's you know they hopefully they like that lasts a while. <laughs> it's uh it, I because you you sent me uh, a video of uh, two two videos of them of them enjoying the songs, and I was like, this is a very heartwarming adult feeling I wasn't expecting to have. <laughs> I'm just like, children enjoying my art. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. What the fuck? My kids will, uh, they'll do that too. <laughs> do you know how many times we had to film that? Oh. Like, it's serious. I was like, like, do it again. No, you got to do it again. <laughs> and like, my, especially my five-year-old is like, he's taking it, he took it really seriously. And if like one of the other kids got in the way, he's like, no, you have to stop. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just got to the point where I was like, that's enough. <laughs> I'll send it to him. This is fine. <laughs> I love the hustle. Mm. Gotta get it right. Take 10. <laughs> yeah. Again. If I find some of them and you zoom on his face, like you can tell he's trying really hard to sing it like in tune and the right lyrics and everything. That's cute. So, so cute. cute. <laughs> just like me when I play. Mm. <laughs> I'm just so thank, like, what are the lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inspiring my kids to enjoy art because, you know, they're not as excited about my music. <laughs> I, I was going to say, do they do they like mum's music? What's, what's going on there? Yeah, no, sometimes they put it on and like um, every now and then they'll come in and they'll ask me to play one of my songs. I have one children's song that I wrote with them during lockdown last year. It's Cute. called Let's Go to the Park because that's all they fucking said. Let's go to the park. All day. <laughs> Let's go to the park. Let's go to the park. So I wrote Let's Go to the, go to the Park. And so they kind of like that song because it's a bit of fun and we can sing it together. Um, <laughs> and then my other, my youngest, he likes um, Saying Yes to Love. don't know why. It's just one of his favourites. It's got good taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch oh, like the bangers. It. Hell yeah. Mm. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's interesting though, because they're, they're a really good, um, like, honesty check, you know, yeah. like, kids won't be like, yeah, that's great, well done, you know, like, they won't they yeah. won't do the whole fake, it'll, it's either they like it or they don't, and hmm. their bodies will take over, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> you see them start to dance, or you see them completely lose interest, <laughs> either way. Kids are um, brutally hectic, oh, hectic, just, be honest, brutally honest, but it's, yeah. you need that when you're an artist, you need someone to be like, no, nah, that's shit. <laughs> or like that's actually really good and it's actually really hard to find people to be honest I think I've found anyway mm. yeah as as adults I guess you get that whole kind of thing of like if you've got nothing nice to say don't say anything at all and yeah and you don't want to be offensive because just mm. because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not good like mm. art is mm. art it's not meant to be liked by everyone but um you do want it to be the best it possibly can be and that's that's the hard part is like could it be better and yeah. not a lot of people are willing to tell you whether it could be better or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you yourself are an artist. We should talk about uh, your art. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how did you start? You're obviously a, a musician. Tell us about your career. Sure. So um, I'm the daughter of a preacher man. And, <laughs> cool, cool. And so, you know, you kind of get encouraged to play, sing, do anything, fill the gaps in the worship team at the church. So I started learning piano from the age of six. Mm. Um, I was really attracted to it. Like the first time I saw my older sister getting a piano lesson and I was like, I want to do that. And my dad, would he was like an amazing piano player. He got all the top training but he didn't think that he was any good. Mm. But he would sit down and he would worship and play all these old school hymns and stuff. And I saw him like almost spiritually become one with the piano and just yeah. go to a whole mm. other world. And I saw that energy shift in who he was as a person because he was a Vietnam veteran. He still oh, is. Wow. Um, you don't stop being a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he really struggled with um, PTSD and it mm. really wasn't like a very present father in the home like he he was that old guy that would sit in the corner and stare into the distance like he wasn't mm. really mentally there mm. a lot of the time but when he was playing the piano I saw that energy shift in him and he really did become some, something different and I was struggling as a kid and I didn't understand why and I knew that when I saw my dad on the piano in that energy shift I was like that's what I need and so I kind of intuitively went to music as my form of release and just expression and yeah I learned to sing and then later learned to play guitar and I would always write poetry and wished I could write songs like on the radio but you know that was just some sort of mystical art to, to me but I, <laughs> I always paid attention to like you know what goes first sometimes they do the chorus first sometimes mm. they do a verse then a chorus then a verse then sometimes there's like a weird thing like a pre-chorus and I kind of just no one ever really taught me the structure of music I just picked it up by mm. listening but yeah it's kind of my origin story of music Nice. Very nice. Well, we have here, uh, I believe, is this the first song you ever wrote, Grace? It's not the first song I ever wrote. It's mm -hmm. the first song I ever had recorded. So when I was at university, right. I had this best friend. We'd grown up together in the country um, in Victoria and it was her 21st birthday and I had a friend from church who did like kind of bedroom production. Mm. And so mm. he put it together for me for her birthday and I just sang it in his bedroom next to the computer and... I got it on a CD and I took it into, there was a Sanity at the Crown Casino in Melbourne. Love that. Yeah, and I, I took it in there and I before I met up with her for her birthday, I took it into the shop and I said, could you play this song through the, you know how you'd go in there and you'd listen to songs on the headphones? Mm -hmm, yeah. I was like, could you put it on there so that I can play it to my friend for her birthday? And they were really sweet. They supported me. So I'd left it with a girl at the counter. I went and got my friend. We caught up and I said, um, for your birthday present, you got to come into this sanity store and listen to the song. And so she puts the headphones on and the girl played the song and halfway, like just as it started, she's like, oh my God, this is you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, it was a really proud moment. But she was a singer as well, so like I was really worried about how she'd take it. But yeah, it was kind of like I'd never released it. Like it was just this <laughs> random first recording. But um, yeah, I'd forgotten about it actually. And then when Alex was like, mm. "Oh, send us through like your first thing," I was like, "Well, this is it." <laughs> Every oh, step awesome. in that story is so cute and wholesome. Everyone was <laughs> yeah. so nice. Yeah, everyone was really nice. I, I mean, I don't even know if Sanity do that anymore. Where you can just go in and like put headphones on and listen. But do you remember that? Like that was a real thing. And I would go in and mm. listen to so many. Like I'd listen to an entire album before I purchased it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I didn't purchase many albums. A Shrek, Shrek <laughs> 2 album I purchased. Nice. And the Honey soundtrack from like some dance film. <laughs> I've, I've been painting my bedroom and unironically like this week we were listening to the Shrek 2 soundtrack because it nice. slaps and it's so good. I love it. It's like one so of the good. best uh, movie soundtracks. I think ever needlessly good yeah cover to cover just so <laughs> like, good it's just so freaking good yeah uh, I need a hero cover yes, yes. oh unreal <laughs> the yeah, only yeah. version of I need a hero that you should be listening to that, that was my favorite I agree mm. yeah yeah that yeah. was the best <laughs> let's take a, a yeah. listen shall we to, oh, to Grace don't take this away don't destroy
and there we go. <laughs> like a love song to my best friend. <laughs> yeah. I, it's super cute. I like it. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I liked it at the time. And, like, and, you know, and she's in Melbourne and she's got three kids now and married and we really don't talk much anymore. But mm. um, we did have a very special friendship and I am the person I am and I learnt a lot by being friends with her. So... Yeah. I haven't listened to the entire song like that <laughs> probably in over <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's not that far off, I guess, <laughs> my, my music at the moment. So. Yeah. It's nice to know that the, uh, like the through line, you can kind of hear your origins and where you ended up going, like it's still kind of still there in the song. I've, I've always loved her, but like, um, there was a definite level of comparison that I think a lot of girls struggle with. We definitely got into a lot of trouble mm. being in Melbourne together. She's gorgeous, half Portuguese tall taller than me and I'm tall um and we definitely went out and had a lot of fun (laughs) but um yeah there definitely was like just a time when things just didn't work out and we stopped talking for a while mainly when we both started having kids we just couldn't stand each other when we were pregnant so yeah but um but no I still have a a, I want to wish the best for her so yeah yeah Yeah. would you ever get in touch and be like hey remember this song (laughs) do you know I'll probably send her the podcast and be like oh you'll you have to listen to this (laughs) but um but yeah I mean I caught up with her last year in between the lockdowns I went down to Melbourne I was there for Anzac Day I did a a show for um veterans reunion and I I gave her a call I was going to try and catch up with her but we couldn't make it work Mm -hmm. but yeah we did have a good catch up on the phone which was nice Nice. Yeah. Nice. I was going to say, are you still in contact with this, the producer who made this? No. Um, Gordon. Gordo. <laughs> no idea. No. <laughs> he he was playing the guitar, obviously. I don't know, obvious, but um, yeah, he was like one of the musicians from the church I was going to when I was at university in Melbourne. Hmm. I don't even remember the name of the church, if I'm honest. I later found out that my husband, who's eight years older than me, actually was going to the same church I was going to because he was chasing a girl at another time when I would have been there. But he would have been in like the young adults or like the older crowd. And I was like (laughs) with the university crew. So we wouldn't have, we didn't cross paths, but it was kind of like a funny little, we might have met maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those things are always fun. I like that. Yeah. Random, (laughs) random coincidences. Well, I was going to ask whether there were real drums, but now I feel like it's... I have no idea. Probably not. I don't think so. Like, he literally just put it together, I think, in GarageBand. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it does sound very well produced, yeah. I was impressed um, Mm. considering, you know, he just had a basic... There was no, like, soundproofing or anything Mm. and... Sure. Yeah, it's just bedroom production. It would be very at home in, like, a a teen coming-of-age movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is exactly kind of what it was, right? It, it wasn't meant for a release or anything. It literally, that was her birthday present. I just was a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to give her something that I, I guess was more meaningful. And mm. as you know, artists do that all the time, right? Like they paint paintings and give it to people yeah. as like sure. a, it's it's a unique gift that you can't buy someone. You can you have to create it. Yeah. And I guess as songwriters, I've done that a few times. <laughs> it's like, it's not necessarily just to be a cheap way of giving someone a present, but to give them something that's thoughtful yeah. and written for them or about them. So yeah, it's not, it's one of the only songs I've ever written as well where the actual name of the song is not actually mentioned anywhere in the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but that's just, that was her name is Grace. Nice. Mm. Yeah. And it's cool, I guess, to also have just a bit of a time capsule, I suppose, like this song being as well, the memory of going into the sanity and, and, having that whole experience associated with it. It's it's cool to have music play that role of, of taking you back in time. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and how things have changed in the world um, mm-hmm. compared to those days. I mean, it would have been 2010-ish. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was 11 years ago. I know. <laughs> Sorry, everyone else. Just We all feel old now, but yeah. <laughs> And if anyone listens to this episode in the future, it'll be even more time. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> uh, we'll be dead. So what was the next step for you after this? Like what was the journey from Grace to, you know, starting to record and actually release music? Okay. Oh, my gosh. So like I really, outside of the church, I really didn't sing. Like even doing that was just like the scariest thing on the planet, which is probably why I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> and that's why, you know, I wasn't going to ever sing it to. I had to have someone record it in a bedroom while they weren't in the room. <laughs> Mm. so yeah for me music was a hidden in the bedroom thing and we had to be pretty close for me to show you the lyrics or potentially show you the song Mm. I could count on one hand how many times I did that in my entire life 
up until after my so when when I was a kid I went through some serious child sexual abuse and I didn't report it or actually start dealing with that until I was 24 and I had my first child and I was holding the baby in my arms and I realized that it was not my fault and that I was a kid and holy crap I better report this guy otherwise he's gonna do it to someone else and um you know I felt that responsibility to make the world a safer place for my children and other children out there, hence Ray being a wise protector. Um, so that was a really scary thing for me to do. And after that, that was a three-year court process. Less than 2% of child sexual abuse cases get to trial and even less of them actually get a guilty verdict. I had nine charges against the guy and uh, they all came back as guilty and you know, it, it was actually a very good process mm. in the mm. sense of I've just heard so many stories where it's not worked out. So I feel very blessed that that could happen. And at the end of that, my husband was like, I was just a shell of a human being dealing with depression and postnatal depression. I'd had two children by this stage. And um, he just knew I needed music. He knew how important music was to me mm. and how it had helped me through my, my mental health journey. And, you know, when I wasn't coping, I would sit down at the piano and I'd write a song and I'd sing. And mm. no one ever saw that. <laughs> that was a <laughs> private thing that I did to just deal like a journal almost you know it was Mm. a way of me dealing with my emotions and how I was feeling pretty much every time I wanted to kill myself I'd write a song and then I'd feel a bit better and Mm. yeah um, hence why I have a lot of songs which is really sad but it's how I dealt with stuff Mm. and he was like well you know what you need you need like a retreat where they like play music and write songs and I was like oh that doesn't exist anywhere (laughs) (laughs) and you know he's a resourceful man he found one it was two weeks from the date that we he'd said that mm. and it was sold out completely. He called up the owner at this farm in Tamworth called The Dag and he told him the situation, how I'd just been through this court process, that I really needed a retreat to get away and that mm. I write songs and play music. And so they were like, sweet, just send her in, we'll make space for her. So like they kind of took me in, they, they were full, they really didn't have space for me, but they, they made space for me, which was lovely. Mm. And as I was driving in to this random location about an hour in the mountains out of Tamworth, I saw this big sign that said, hats off to country music. Now, <laughs> I come from country Victoria and Melbourne and my parents only ever listened to Christian music, really. I I had no idea what country music was. I literally thought it was spanking spoons and banjos. <laughs> like, you know, it was just such a foreign thing. So I saw this sign and I instantly realised that this is a country music singer-songwriter retreat. And <laughs> nice. I was laughing out loud in my car all the way up this very, very windy dirt road in my little car. And I thought, well, I'm here now, even if I just am on my own in this place for a week and just get to just enjoy the serenity of no cell signal and <laughs> and the campfire and, and some wine, I'm going to be okay. But it was very comical to me at the time. And I, at this stage as well, I had this little guitar and I, I hadn't actually picked it up in three years. And I'd never performed in front of anyone or played guitar in front of anyone. Oh, wow. And I get there and there were some lovely people who said hello to me and welcomed me in. But I was still like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm. And on the first night of this particular retreat, everyone has to get up and sing a song, an original song. Um, And then they get judged. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a nightmare. (laughs) So um, I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) shit um so there's no way in hell I was going to get my guitar out because I literally had not even taken it out of his case I just pulled it out of like the dust cupboard and put it in the back of my car I hadn't touched it in years so I thought I'm just going to have to get up and sing a cappella. and I'd, I'd spent about a year and a half with a band just rehearsing and recording an album um, in Melbourne it was kind of a bluesy jazzy rock band we did three gigs and broke up because we couldn't agree on what to wear <laughs> Um, but so they were the only original songs that I kind of knew were finished and knew them off by heart because I'd been practicing, we practiced them for 18 months. And so I got up and I sang this one song acapella and, um, there was a guy there called Lachlan Bryant and he's with a band called Lachlan Bryant in the Wilds. And he, he, his first, everyone was silent after I sang, they're all kind of like looking at me weird. And he goes, what, what are your inspirations? And so I'm like, oh, you know, I sang in the church and blah, blah, blah. And. And then uh, another lady, Elise Simmons, she's like, oh, you um, you sound like Beyonce. They're like, that's a really nice thing. But like the way that she said it 
was more like a, you sound like Beyonce, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really weird. Mm. Um, but I just was like, oh, well, like, I know I don't belong. <laughs> this is not my scene. But yeah, and then it was literally the whole retreat just revolved around writing songs, drinking wine campfires mm. a little bit of learning but it was mostly that and I wrote my first ever song co-write co-write with Smokey Pete Dawson um, and he's this older lad and he was going through a separation with his wife and I was just out of this court case so we we're both pretty low and we mm. wrote together um, with a glass of red wine in front of the campfire on a leather couch a song called All I Can Do and it was the first single that I ever um, released in 2020 um, I'd had it recorded by some guy that I met at a pool <laughs> and he, he was like, you need to record your music. So I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, a closet job, but uh, he did a great job with it. And mm. I had it sitting there and then um, the fires were happening last year in January um, and my hometown and I had friends who were fighting it and it was very close, but I was in Queensland. I was like, I've got, there's nothing I can do, but I want to be able yeah. to support them. And so I thought, well, I've got this song, screw it, let's just release it. <laughs> Um, did a mini press release, sent it to a few bloggers. I really did had no idea what I was doing. I even went and performed the song at some open mic and started crying the whole way through it. Yeah, that was the first song that I ever played um, and sang in public and I did it at that retreat um, mm. in 2015. So, yeah, how, did, how did we get into this? I don't <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, that was kind of the first time I ever sang in public and I didn't really do it again outside of, like, a safe space mm. um, until I got back from a Nashville songwriting retreat in 2019. And oh, wow. I really didn't know who I was. And I, honestly, I don't, still don't really know who I am. But at that stage, I didn't know who I was as an artist and a songwriter and I was still very scared of singing my original music in public. And mm. in Nashville, I did some more co-writing and I learned from people and I went out every night and they have, like, before COVID, they've got 50 bands playing at any given point all over town, 24 hours a day. Like it is just, it is music city, capital of the world. Mm. And I was so inspired by the energy and the people over there that I got back and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like this music helped me through some of the darkest shit that I think anyone could ever go through. And yet I was keeping it to myself and I realised this is not something that everyone can do. Not everyone can write a song, not everyone can sing, not everyone can play an instrument. And yet music is so powerful and it had saved my life, like I say in my podcast, Songwriter Trists. But I was keeping it to myself and all of a sudden I kind of felt a bit guilty and I think I just felt like it was the right time. And so I went to my very first open mic at Palm Beach on a Thursday night. There was over 200 people there <laughs> because there was a wedding rehearsal on. Oh, wow. I did not know that's not normal for an open mic, <laughs> but I had worked myself up. You know, when like you just work yourself up, you're going to do something that scares the shit mm, out of you. I'd yeah. worked myself up so much. I was like, right, I'm going, I'm going to get one drink, <laughs> not drink too much. And I'm going to sing these songs. And, and I did. And, um, it's probably, that's probably the most successful moment in my entire career. And I've done some amazing things in the last two years. I'm really proud of, mm -hmm. but that is still my most successful moment because that was the moment I conquered my greatest fear of mm. singing my original songs in public. Awesome. Yeah. You've had so many like things happen in your life. Like you're just like, yeah, a guy in a pool, just a producer. And then like, that was just so a passing <laughs> bit in the story. It's like, what, what about like, yeah, we rehearsed for 18 months, but we broke up because we didn't know what to wear. Anyway, I was like, wait, what? Go back to that bit. Well, it worked out. I mean, do you know when things happen, right? And you don't know why. Yeah. But everything, like, everything happens for a reason, I believe. And so yeah. you kind of just have to let go. So I was in this band. Two of the guys, they were, they were in a band and mm. they lost their singer. And I, I, we were just jamming. So the guitarist and the piano player, they're brothers, they're my cousins, and we were hanging out and jamming. And they really encouraged me that I could sing. Like I didn't really know that I could sing because my voice is very different to anyone else you hear on radio. Mm. So they, they were really encouraging in that way and gave me confidence around my voice and being able to sing and even be able to write. And so we, we rehearsed for ages and they, like, they'd studied at the con. They, and music, the musicianship was incredible. Mm. And I had no idea how hard it was to get something so good together, you know, until now. Uh, now I'm like, damn it, you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, they came to my wedding and we did three gigs. And at the end of the day, they wanted to be like gr grunge rock and roll superstars they're 20 years older than me and they wanted me to scream and if you ever hear me sing I'm not really a screamer I don't mm. even like screaming at my kids like it's just not something that felt right for me yeah. and mm. they got to this point where they're like look we're going to get another singer who screams and they wanted to continue doing our project but for me I am like pretty soul focused I really struggle when I've got two things going on yeah. and I'm like I was I wish I knew what I wanted <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted at the time 
And so I was so proud of them for deciding like, actually, yes, this is what we want. We don't want what we've just spent 18 months developing with you. We want this rock and roll scene. And plus, I think there was a bit of ego, like the guitarist really liked the attention, but being a, a young, pretty girl, I got a lot of attention. And we had a, a scenario where we went to like a blues open night in Melbourne mm. and it was packed and we did three songs and I got up there and honestly, I started singing and everyone in the place was fucking dead silent, all eyes on me. I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that when I sang. Mm. That was a real eye-opener, like a sign for me that I'm like, okay, maybe I'm meant to sing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and had this drunk person all over me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, as you do at a pub, <laughs> sure. um, it was a girl. She was like, oh, my God, your voice. Um, anyway, so they, they were like, yeah, come back anytime, blah, blah, blah. And they went back two weeks later, but I couldn't make it for some reason. I think I had like a child event or something. And I said, guys, I really don't think you should go back without like me because like we kind of created this band. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to do it. And they went there and they were, it was so bad because it was a blues night yeah. and they were a rock band. But mm. my voice has got like Amy Winehouse bluesy vibes to it. Yeah. And so that's kind of what made it bluesy. bluesy. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And so it was like the complete opposite experience without me there. And um, I don't think they kind of liked that. <laughs> Because obviously, like they're really good musicians, I get it, and I'm like, I'm like this, like, oh, I think maybe I could sing. <laughs> so yeah, it, it it didn't work out. Anyway, two weeks ago, the piano player got like outed by the age in Melbourne as like a neo-Nazi and like all sorts oh, of crazy fuck? shit. So I was like, oh, see, this is why it wasn't meant to be. Like, because then I'd be associated <laughs> yeah. with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Everything you know, happens <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't until a few weeks ago where I was like, ah, oh, that's why it wasn't meant to be. You know. <laughs> I, I think. This continues my point of like, <laughs> what the fuck is your Things life? Just happened. Yeah. What is going on? Um, Isn't everyone's know. lives this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was curious because you mentioned that you didn't know it was a like a country writing retreat. No. And you're like, you know, it was wild and I felt really weird. Anyway, so I went to Nashville. <laughs> so right. like, you kind of you went with the punches or was it? So I became like best ba- best mates with two guys, particularly at this first retreat. Alan Caswell, he wrote the hit song on the inside for the TV show Prisoner, which is Ooh, a massive hit uh. from the 60s, being covered by everyone. Mm. And um, he's one of my mentors, best friends. And he really took me in. And then there was another guy called Carl Brody who actually passed away from cancer within that next year. So Mm. I I literally got Mm. to spend the last retreat with him there. And both of them just showed me what country music was. They educated me. Um, But Carl Brody taught me about what Nashville, I didn't even know what, I didn't even know that Nashville was like a place. I was like, what's Nashville? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and he gave me one of his CDs and he was going to be my first producer and all that, you know, we just got on that well, you know, when you click with someone. Yeah. And he wrote in his CD that he gave me, you belong with us. And I never really knew where I fit before that. I've I've never really felt like I fit in anywhere. Trauma Mm. victims and people with PTSD, that's a really common, normal thing to feel isolated and not like you feel like you fit anywhere or belong anywhere. And that took me a long time to realise. But even though I still don't really feel like I fit in the country music scene, I think in honour and homage of them making me feel so at home and being there for me when I was a shell of a human being, it just felt right and it still feels right. I still get plenty of comments because, I mean, I, I don't have the country twang or, you know, I don't have any of that. And um, my songs have a sense of storytelling to them and they're very simple, three chords and the truth. And that pretty much is as much as I need to sum up as country as I am. Um, that and I wear the boots. But often, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll wear the country boots and I'll walk into a pub to play a few songs and then afterwards I'll get some random person be like, you're not country, you know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I think I am, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I had those seeds and went off, had another baby and then after, why, why did I go? Oh, so I went back to the retreat in 2019 because mm. I wanted to get back away and have a break from the kids essentially. And a few months later, there was a group chat on Facebook. You know, after you've been to a retreat, you do those group chats with people. Yeah. Um, mm. one of the girls who I hadn't really talked to at this retreat in the DAG, she was like, oh, I'm going to go to this retreat in Nashville. Does anyone want to come with me? And I like, I read it, I laughed and told my husband, I'm like, God, she's just invited everyone to like Nashville, like as if everyone's got the time and, you know, energy and money to do that. And my husband's like, yeah, why not? <laughs> he's just <laughs> like, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, he's like, yeah, why not? We've got the money and I can watch the kids. You'll be fine. Like, hmm. we'll be fine. And yeah. he kind of has been my biggest believer and my biggest supporter. And he's believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And his best friend when we met was kind of the reason that me, 
we met. He he was this random, larger than life British guy running around Melbourne, sleeping with every girl that would take him, <laughs> and. He had this. He was a race car driver, and he had this. Um, what? <laughs> he, what he had this. He had this thing in his pocket. They would walk around with. It was a race that he'd won when he was twelve, but he kept it in his pocket because he'd beat Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and he, he was very proud of it. Um, he just never got sponsorship, so you know Lewis Hamilton went on to just. I think he's just won his first hundred races. <laughs> anyway, sure. um, so he, he was born with a hole in his heart and he passed away recently, but he had actually told my husband, if you don't ask her out in 10 days, I will, like he had a chance. <laughs> um, but he also was really supportive of my music and mm. he was kind of like very aggressive about me not doing music. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm going to manage you. And he gave me like mm. books and just, so he passed away a few years ago. His heart must have given out, but he was driving and went off a bridge in Spain. Mm, yeah. um, and God, he has the worst story, but um, I won't make it too sad. But yeah, so just having people encourage me and doing the podcast and talking to other songwriters, I've realised that I don't think there's anyone in the world, unless they're super narcissistic or something, that can just believe in themselves without someone else going, you can do this. Mm. You know, we all mm. need that someone to believe in us. So yeah, my husband was like, yeah, just go to Nashville. He's probably cost us over 20 grand just to go. I spent 10 days there. I went to this retreat. I got incredibly drunk most nights and had a lot of fun nice. and listened to a lot of music. It's Southern in Nashville and I played one song while I was over there. And the only song I really knew well enough is like one of my comedy songs. And um, it has a swear word. It has the fuck word in it. Um, and it's it's purely it's purely there to like shock people. It's a part of the comedy. It's the line. It's the power of the the word. But um, I realised at the end of it as well. I think I got away with it because I'm Australian. Mm. But uh, yeah, you know, in the south they don't swear. They're very conservative. So they oh, they laughed right. on cue, which was perfect because I was like, shit, this could go down real bad. Yeah. Mm. Um, but no, it was good. So I played that one song there, and um, yeah, that was kind of when I got back. And I did it sheepishly too. It was like you know. I just didn't perform. I, I wasn't singing in public. And I guess I hid behind that comedy song. You know you know how when you're scared, you hide behind comedy? Yeah, it's kind of like a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll probably never release that song um, unless I become like, you know, so yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't remember talking about that but either. I do have a comedy song coming out though. Hell yeah. Is it yeah. that one? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. That one will be, it would be funny though if I did that one. Um, I wrote that when I was 19. This one uh, coming out, it's it's about boobs. Hey. Yeah. I have <laughs> nice. a lot of experience with boobs. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess being a mum of three as well, I feel like I have a right to um, speak honestly about tits. Um, the song doesn't have the word tits or boobs in it. Every other sort of acronym that might describe boobs is in there and I wrote it – I was actually talking to two comedians who also are songwriters mm. um, on my podcast and, yeah, they both actually write together. I didn't know that though. And mm. one of them is specifically famous for writing comedy songs about boobs. Um, and so I was like, right, we're on. <laughs> we got we got to do this. Um, but, it, yeah. Teach me. Yeah, <laughs> teach me. <laughs> teach me your ways. I don't know how to do this. Um, but, yeah, it was. I went to this country music festival that I was a, a finalist in up in – Keppel Island, up, up north, and I met this lady. Her name is Jill, and she's in her 70s. She spent 40 years as a nurse, and my mum was a nurse as well, same age <laughs> as my mum. And I made this – she became like my festival mum. You know, she'd watch my bag and put sunscreen on my back and stuff Jeez. like that. She was really cool because um, I was there on my own because I had to leave my hubby home with the kids. And I made this weird joke, just like a passing comment about – how when she was younger, she'd probably like push up her boobs to get the doctor to give her drugs and shit. <laughs> just because she just seemed like she'd be a bit of a rebel. Um, but it was like, it was just like a, it wasn't meant to be anything. It was just meant to be a passing comment. She laughed so hard. She almost fell off her chair <laughs> to the point where I'm like, Jill, there's truth to this, isn't there? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the, all the best comedy songs come with the, from the truth, and mm. um, so I said to her, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a song, and I'm gonna call it pu Push 'Em Up,' Jill." <laughs> 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 and um, anyway, and so a bit later on, again, that was a bit of a joke. I wasn't, you know, I'm don't, I don't do comedy country, but she's a massive country fan. And a bit later, she's like, "How much does it cost to record a song?" And uh, I'm like, "I don't know, about fifteen hundred bucks or so, depending on who you go with." And she's like, "Huh?" And then she didn't say anything. A bit later on, she just comes back to you. If you ever write that song, I think I'd be willing to pay for that. Hmm. 
And so that was kind of in the back of my head. And then I was talking to Angus Gill on the podcast and I was like, oh, comedy, songwriter, country. And then I met Bill White from Nashville and then he literally said, you know, I'm, I'm one of my, the things that people come to me for is comedy songs about boobs because he's got hit songs that are comedy songs about boobs on online. So and specific. so I was, it's so yeah. fucking specific. <laughs> I was like, this is meant to be. So, um, yeah, so we wrote the song and uh, Angus is producer. It's, um, uh, it's good. I'm excited about <laughs> it, but it's a comedy country song about about boobs but it's kind of also to honor nurses and my mum and Jill and she loves country music and I just thought at that age like nurses serve the public Mm. when we're at our worst and I just think what a beautiful way to honor her and what she's dedicated her entire life to giving her something that's a bit fun and about her (laughs) and and she's approved it it, but it is definitely a bit cheeky. (laughs) When's it uh when's it dropping? Um, we're literally getting some backing vocals chucked on it soon, um, but it's it's pretty much ready to go to mastering. And it's one of those songs that I do think needs a music video. It's just <laughs> it's got so many visuals in it um, <laughs> that I think would be really enhanced by a good visual. So I'm I'm still kind of sussing out music video people just mm. to kind of put something fun and cheeky together um, to go with it. And then once that's done, yeah, it'll. Hit the airwaves. <laughs> I don't feel like uh, we've scratched even the surface of your life. <laughs> no, There's I'm 33 so- years old. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm confusing. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's great. <laughs> I, I don't just, like to stop. I think I've got ADHD. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the the episode's going to end. It's going to be yeah. like, anyway, that's that's how I came up with the Chronicles of Narnia series. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> that's our time. Like, wait, wait, what? Well, hold on. Yeah, probably. I can yeah. talk forever. I mean, be more. Uh, ask me something specific. <laughs> well, before I before I ask a question, I was just gonna say oh, while yeah. I remembered, uh, your, your husband sounds really nice. He, he sounds is. really chill and yeah. cool. He is. He's an incredible guy. Mm. Um, I I think I fell in love with the guy mainly because he said when he says he's going to do something, he does it. Yeah. Um, and he's a project manager and an IT nerd and a photographer, which is how we met through his race car. Because I used to be a grid girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. That's how I paid. They don't have grid girls anymore. Again, that's a time a timestamp thing. That was how I paid my way through uni. But his best friend is a race car driver, and yeah, that's how we kind of met doing the race car photography model thing. It's weird. <laughs> the old story: the model marries for the photographer. You know. All the guys are going to go buy cameras now, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, why did you start the podcast? The podcast, Songwriter Trists. Well, Rob, my husband, came up with Trists because he played this old game called Gabriel Knights. Do you guys know that game? Sounds familiar. He's old. Mm. No, he's not that old. (laughs) But he's he's from the 80s and it's an 80s game and it was like one of those, uh, you had to click riddles and Trists is an old English word that is very Google-friendly because no one ever uses it anymore. So you type sure. in trysts and there's a very high chance that my podcast will come up, um, <laughs> T-R-Y-S-T-S. But it's the intimate connection between lovers. So, mm. you know, you'd say that Mrs. Jones is off having a tryst with the pool boy. You know, it's a very mm. cheeky word, which is um, true to my nature. I'm a very cheeky person. And so we did songwriter trysts because I wanted to talk to other songwriters and I guess not feel so weird around... Mm my connection to music and what music had done for me, mm. in, hence music saved my life, and also just find out why other people do what they do and, and their story. Mm. And I, mm. I am learning so much because I'm such – I did a science degree. <laughs> you know, like I was going to wow. be a doctor. I don't have the classical music training mm. that a lot of people have. And so, yeah, I, I love the psychology, but I've done so much therapy, as you can probably imagine, with my history. Mm. And I am really interested – uh, at how powerful music is and mm. what it actually does to the human mm. body and to the mind and to the world and our community and our environment. I, and I've just found it so interesting. And it kind of, we did like a test. We were like, let's just ask a few of our friends who are songwriters if they would want to be involved if we started this. And every single one of them said yes. And yeah, that was over 12 months ago. I don't think I've ever stuck to anything for more than 12 months. So, I mean, this is. I kind of feel like this is who I am, you know, like I did personal training. I've done so many different things, acting, modelling, personal training, mm. medicine. I was a sales rep for Yellow Pages at one stage, sure. <laughs> you know, random like <laughs> things. But all of the skills that I've learned over my life have really come into play when it comes to uh, writing songs and being an entertainer and um, but also talking to people. I'm a good talker. <laughs> if you haven't worked that out by now. How long have we been going for? <laughs> so... 
yeah, Songwriter Trysts just keeps going. We have episode 150 coming out this Friday. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Which is... Oh, cool. Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you're listening to this, then it means you like podcasts. Yeah. So you're already <laughs> yeah, here. There you go. Thank Halfway you. there already. <laughs> and, and Ray's proven that she's very interesting to listen to. Lots of interesting stories. So you mm-hmm. should check out Songwriter Trysts. And Alex is on there. Alex Smith. I am on yeah, there. Yeah. Your cool music. <laughs> Thank you. That my children love and is on repeat <laughs> in my car. And I have a lot of CDs in my car and they picked yours because, you know, the album covers are so cool. Yes. Mm. <laughs> it, it works. works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm proud of my album covers. Like we got, we got like twenty minutes worth of questions. It's just, it's, it's hard to pick because sometimes guests should be like, so you know, when did you start music, and they'd be like, I was twelve. Mm. Like, okay, <laughs> and I feel like if I if I ask a question, <laughs> it's going to lead to a really awesome, exciting story. <laughs> and then, and then I can not- try. You can keep making a challenge and make. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to snip you off. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Well, I was going to say, what are your thoughts on the death of the album? Because they're saying that you should release singles now rather than albums. Mm. What's your thought on that? I guess it's your choice if you're the artist. It depends on what you want to do. Some people are releasing albums and they kind of have to be listened to, not on shuffle. They have to mm. be listened one, two, ten, twelve, whatever it is. Uh, I spoke to Andrew Farris the other day. He's the guy from In Excess and he it's happening. is doing it. He's doing an album. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I, and Will Day, apparently, you know, he's just released an album, but now he's going to do singles. I've definitely heard a lot of different views on this theory. And mm. I think at the end of the day, you have to just do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. The EP that I did, if I hadn't have released it as an EP, um, I just wouldn't have released the five other songs on the track. <laughs> it would have just been the first one. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's just because it was done at, all together by the same musicians, by the yeah. same producer. It was a body of work that was done at that particular time in my life. Mm. And um, I thought, you know, it's just a timestamp, like you said, you know. Yeah. yeah. On to bigger and better things. And my, my rule is that I picked up from Graham Ashton, whatever you release should be at least 1% better than the last thing you've done. Mm. And if it's 1% worse, don't release it. <laughs> that was <laughs> So, you know, I've been setting the bar low so that I can make sure it's yeah. easier to get it better. <laughs> That's good advice. And I mean... Boob song coming up next. That's got to be at least you know twenty fifty percent. That that might be my dance monkey. You know, like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that you know, and I think that's why like the video kind of needs to go with it because I really do think it'll enhance the listening experience. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see um, how that one is received because it is very different mm, to sure. what I've released. But I am I'm still I'm such a new artist. Like I've released like twelve tracks since January twenty twenty, and it's all very random. But I'm just a big believer in doing what feels right. Yeah. And this just feels yeah. right. Um, even though I've had some people go, ooh, that's bad branding. And I'm like, my brand is me and I'm cheeky and I'm yeah, fun. That's and it. Just because I haven't released a comedy cheeky song yet, mm. um, I'm just introducing that side of my personality to the world. So yeah. Exactly. I remember at university we were talking about artists and like their identity, the artistic mm. identity and how some people were like, you know, I, I'm a metal artist and now all the little musicians at the the thing in the first year they were like yeah i just kind of write song by song because having one genre is like boring it is so it seems like it's much more if people are just like i am who i am and i'm making the art that i want to make and i'm i'm excited by that that's a a fun time to live you have to fit in a box that's such a big label corporate thing to think it's like totally you are a box of tissues and that's the way we're going to keep you and it's like I don't know, it gets boring Mm. and humans are not boring. I'm not boring. I have a personality. That is my brand. That is my consistency. I've worked with quite a few different producers now and the most consistent Mm. thing about the songs is my voice, Yeah, really. And obviously I'm not going to go do anything like dubstep, you know, or I don't know, something way different. I Mm. tend to keep it fairly acoustic, kind of country-esque, but my voice is what makes it me and I don't sing stuff that I don't believe in, so... Mm. Yeah. And you're writing and I believe the songs? in good boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and you're writing the songs as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they're all mine. Mm. Some of them are solo uh, rights. Some of them I actually never even wrote. A song called All of Me, I literally just was testing out my recording equipment and sang it. It was none exactly of you. Exactly oh, as wow. it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then that same guy from the pool um, produced that one without me really saying anything. And then, yeah, it got released. So I, I can't even say I wrote it. I just sang it. 
and and it just came out. And then the other ones I co-wrote, like Push Em Up, Jill, was a co-write. <laughs> and um, and I love co-write. Like uh, Powered by Love was a co-write I did with Shane Nicholson. And um, he just pulled my name out of a, a bucket at, at the DAG and that's how we got to co-write together. Um, I had no idea who he was because, you know, I didn't grow up in country. Yeah. Do you know who he is? No. no, yeah. He used to be married <laughs> to Casey Chambers. That's what someone told me. And I was like, oh, oh okay, right. cool. That that was the sound that I made. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. But he's actually an incredible musician and he's signed with Universal. And, um, oh, wow. He wow. was Monday's podcast, 149. <laughs> so hey. you can go you check go. him out. But um, he had some great wisdom and we co-wrote together. And um, I'd pulled my back out the day before our co-write and we were writing in his room at this cabin. And he's like, goes into the bathroom and comes back out and there's a tap running and I'm like what's that he's like I've got a spa I, I have a spa bath he had like the honeymoon like he had the best room I was in like a bunk bed yeah. he had the best room and so we're writing this song and I'm like I could I would die for a bath right now because my back is so so I was literally about to drive an hour into Tamworth to go to a chiropractor and he's like oh you can just you can jump in if you want I'm like don't like you know when people give like false things where they're like don't, I don't know he'd probably hate me for telling the story but he I was like if you're serious <laughs> This is a genuine offer. I am getting in that bath. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, 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 go do it. <laughs> so I was sitting in the spa bath. Just He couldn't see me, but like the door was open and he's just working on the bridge. I'd already half kind of written the song and, yeah, we wrote Powered by Love while I was in the spa and he was <laughs> jamming out the bridge. It was, <laughs> nice. it was good, yeah. I think I shocked the guy though. I don't, <laughs> most people don't know what to expect when they meet me, so... You can hear the spa kind of vibes when you yeah. listen to it. You're like, oh, yeah, I got some spa yeah. vibes. Oh, yeah. The, the energy of the spa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Everyone should write a song while they're in a spa at some point. Just, mm. just saying. It's, it's good life advice. Yeah. It's the closest bucket of, list. The closest I came, I had a, a writing retreat recently. Yeah. I was at like a beach hotel. And I I like to have one one uh, alcohol evening when I have a writing retreat where I just get really, really drunk and just kind of see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next morning I spent the day in an empty bathtub, just like saying stuff into my phone. <laughs> so it's not as... Close. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that was pretty much it. <laughs> Same energy. <laughs> they say a lot of people um, actually on the podcast, over the people I've talked to, a lot of them write their best songs or their ideas come to them when they're in the shower. Yeah. Is yeah. That, is that... Did you say that? Were you one of the many people that said ideas in the shower? I can't remember. But I don't know if I said it, but I definitely <laughs> agree with it. So many people have said that. That and um, they wrote songs to – guys wrote songs to get girls and girls wrote songs to get over boys. <laughs> that's that's like the – I'm doing like my own research of like the songwriter brain while yeah. I'm interviewing everyone. <laughs> Some I, common narratives in there. I know the the science reason behind uh, shower thoughts. Oh yeah, go. Yeah, my go. psych told me. Yeah, I need uh, to know. Because in nature, we used to like jump in water to get away from predators, which is why if you're having like a big panic attack, you should splash your face with cold water because it makes your brain think you've jumped into water and you're safe. Ah, um, cool. But all, it also meant that like when you're in water, you were safer from predators, and so it let your all your stress thoughts just like go away and so your your subconscious starts to float to the surface and yeah right and so then yeah. all the creative ideas can come out when you're nice and relaxed yeah because your brain's like i am safe <laughs> that's good <laughs> that's cool <laughs> yeah all right i'll yeah. i'll remember that i'll probably use that on my podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'll yeah. steal yeah. that one like, yeah. desks. they should make like a uh, shower desks or something <laughs> is there anything you'd like to mention that you haven't mentioned yet oh goodness that's a really open-ended question. I told you to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank my husband. <laughs> no, I don't. My children. Um, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I spend a lot of time asking other people questions, but very, very rarely do I get asked questions and the chance to actually share for more than two seconds, you know, in a radio interview <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, I appreciate it because it's stuff that I think needs to be talked about more often um, mm. and the only reason I share it. Um, sharing is, is a healing technique, definitely. Um, good re- reason to share stories such as mine. I've done a lot of healing and a lot of sharing. The reason I share it, I guess when I was dealing with a lot of my mental health issues, all I ever wanted was someone else to say that they'd been through what I'd been through and they were okay. Mm. And that didn't exist. And so I just had like, a, there was no light at the end of the tunnel for me. I literally just thought I was going to die. But I had to report these guys to the police. I had to deal with it. You know, I had to mm. do it for my kids. Mm. And so I guess I want to be able to share there is a positive side to not suppressing all the emotions, not suppressing all the shit and all the trauma. 
um, and actually dealing with it and seeing a therapist and doing whatever it takes healthy wise mm. to actually get through and process and help understand what you're going through and what you've been through and how it's impacted you. Um, and that's why I share, so that it can encourage and inspire other people that they too can open up and be okay. Mm. And thank you for sharing with us. And uh, I know it's not easy. It's not always easy. So we appreciate that you're open and honest with us. And mm. yeah. I couldn't talk about it for such a long time. Yeah. Honestly, mm. anything even close to it would just well up and it would get to my throat and then we'd just ball of tears I couldn't even speak it was mm. it was really paralyzing mm. to have that in my life um, and I hate to think but I know that there are so many people out there that are still living that way and I lived like that for a very long time and it's just no way to live mm. you know life can be so much better I had no idea how good life could be until I took antidepressants for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you know just feeling happy for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know how depressed I was because I just never experienced the joy that life can bring. Mm. And that gave me a little glimpse as to what I wanted to keep fighting for. And I still, you know, get therapy and I've done a lot of group therapy and one-on-one therapy and different things. And antidepressants, along with talk therapy, is the most effective way to to get through things. Mm. Um, Mm. I'm definitely not a believer of just take a pill and you'll be all right. I know some people choose to do that, but for me it's just another way of suppressing it. I definitely did take antidepressants after my third child. I've spent time in a hospital to just really be in a safe space, delve deep into some of that dark stuff, and that really helped me through. And I think I was on the antidepressants for about two years before I finally got off it. Um, And then exercise is my number one. Exercise and sex. (laughs) Nice. Just saying. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Best therapy. (laughs) And music, <laughs> exercise, sex, and <laughs> exercise, sex, and music is like that sums up my life. Like really, mm. autobiography. Well, yeah, yeah that should it's be the, the name of my autobiography: <laughs> exercise, sex, and music, or or any order of what that comes. But um, I, I sometimes tell people that sex is what traumatized me, but sex is also what healed me. Mm. And I think there is mm. a massive difference between um, violent sex and healing sex. Mm. And uh, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> you can ask whatever you want about it, but I'm just saying. It might go for a while. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that was, just a, that was a very good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am really glad that despite everything, it, it seems like you've still met so many wonderful people and you seem like a really wonderful, kind person. And mm. I think <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you meet people and uh, you can tell that the, the interview persona is kind of the like, hey, everybody, I'm a charismatic person, but you just seem like a genuinely nice person. This is who you Mm. get when we're hanging out around the fire at my place, playing music and having a beer. It's also who you get when I'm on stage in front of a thousand people. I'm not, I I don't change really. My Mm. energy Mm. levels may be different depending on how shit my kids have been that day, (laughs) but um, that's, you know, just normal life. Yeah, I don't, um, I think when I was going through my depression, um, and this is where one of my songs, All of Me, the one that I sang, I didn't write. The first line is hiding in the spotlight so no one sees the darkness inside of me. Mm. It's the most honest line I've ever sang. <laughs> and I spent my entire life trying to be perfect. And I was school captain, I was house captain, I was the worship ministries leader at church. And I was, you know, great aid student, going to be a doctor. I was always doing everything to help everyone else because if I put out a workaholic good vibe, no one would ever ask if she was okay, if I was mm. okay. Don't mm. ask me if I'm okay. I hate our you okay day. Like I actually really hate that question yeah. because I was never okay. And if anyone – I spent my life in the spotlight because it's the best place to hide mm. so that no one would ever say, is she okay? Because they would just assume that I was – I wanted people to assume that I was okay. And so if someone asked me if I was okay, that was the worst. And so I, I spent my entire life exhausted and running on adrenaline trying to be something that I was not. It's probably – like I still love acting – but I'll always be me with an accent maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I'll put on my American accent. Um, but for me it's it's about being me now and I just can't be anything else and I just don't – I'm over it. I'm bored. I'm bored of trying to be something I'm not. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great too. I mean like we wouldn't want to be talking to anyone other than the you that is you because it's just been so fascinating to, <laughs> as Alex mentioned, all these just like little – 
aside random things that could be entire podcasts in and of themselves it's been such a a pleasure to get to hear so many of your stories and so much of what your journey has been so thank thank you you so much for all that sharing oh my pleasure the things that i know i'm not gonna hear like the stories are gonna right. haunt me forever <laughs> like what yeah. could i have asked that i could have found out about that yeah. i'm never gonna know uh, this could have been a 10 episode mini series <laughs> yeah. and you know would not be yeah. done i'm like dyslexic so like i'll probably never write my own book mm. um, <laughs> but maybe I, sh- I could do like another podcast that is music sex and what was the other one i said therapy therapy exercise yeah exercise yeah exercise oh, no. <laughs> There's so many exercise podcasts out there. I was like, oh my gosh. Sex exercise. I don't know. Maybe I'll do another podcast. I can just do them in episodes. Sure. Well, that seems like a neat area to end we'll it. on it. Yeah. yeah. So this episode is going to be coming out this Friday, our time, today, listener time. Wow. And in the past, quick. past listener time, uh, <laughs> is there anything it. that you've got coming up? Any gigs or where can people find you? Oh, do you know, that's a really good point. So in the Gold Coast... Mm. We've actually started doing public songwriting nights. So after the podcast started, I started doing like private co-writing nights at my house, Mm. maximum sort of 10 people. And it just got to a point where, one, everyone was on such a high after writing a song. They didn't want to leave and I had three kids. Um, Mm. Plus, we wanted to be able to invite people I didn't personally know. I wanted to have it as an open thing. So we've got songwriting nights happening at Moe's Desert Clubhouse um, once a month. You can go to their website. Uh, it's $10 to come along just to help pay for the venue. Uh, mm. And we are literally just writing songs. We're meeting each other. We're networking, do a bit of a circle. Everyone gets to share who they are, where they come from, what their skills are. So you can meet people quickly mm. and um, maybe fill a gap if you have a need. But also then we just break up into circles and we get our creative juices going and we write a song with someone hopefully we haven't met before. Um, so that's really fun. And then we've got a showcase also happening. Um, and I've just confirmed a bunch of the people that are going to be playing Everyone that's playing in the showcase have been on the podcast. Uh, I've got James Blundell, Ilya, Damian Johnson, Graham Astro, who I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, so we're going to be doing just like a songwriter rounds, real mm. chilled gig on the 4th of December in the afternoon at Moe's Desert Clubhouse as well. And it's going to be like a bit of a Christmas, but it's our first showcase for the year. And we're actually in the process of turning songwriter trysts into a non-for-profit company that uh, I guess does what it does, runs these songwriting nights and um, we have a lot of really exciting things in the future Mm. along with the songwriting retreat. Um, So, yeah, just follow and keep in touch and, yeah. That's awesome. Wonderful. Fantastic. And so where can people find, if they're interested in your your music that's that's out and released so far, where can people find that? Well, the benefit of being married to an incredibly smart IT man is that if you Mm. Google Ray Lee, R-A-E-L-E-I-G-H, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I even have like one of those Google spots. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's Ray, Ray Lee AUS for Australia. Um, at Ray Lee AUS is every single one of my socials. You go to any social page and you type in that and you're going to find me, nice. which is so convenient. Mm. You can just put at Ray Lee AUS into TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and it's there. So another brilliant idea by my husband. Um, and there's a website and uh, it's on Spotify and Apple and all that sort of stuff. And if you go to my website, I do have an EP um, that I can send you if you'd like one and hats. And I have this st- one of the songs on my EP is called I Don't Want to Be Sober. It's a co-write I did with a, an ex-drug addict in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, so I've got some stubby callers with I Don't Want to Be Sober on the side of it. <laughs> it's kind of like my most popular merch item. Nice. Um, so I've got a couple of those left. But yeah, I'm excited about some new songs coming out soon and music videos and... Um, yeah. A big exciting. exciting time. Yeah. And I'm just keen to, I've got some, I have this bad habit of writing duets. Um, <laughs> and like a few of the songs on my EP are supposed to be duets, but it's just me singing because I haven't met, I feel like I'm going to meet like my songwriting singing husband one day mm. and mm. we're just going to be able to sing. It'll be like magic and, you know, there'll be flowers everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I keep on writing these duets and I'm just waiting for the singer man of my dreams to mm. Come and sing with me <laughs> and then tour the world, you know. <laughs> I, I have every faith that this person will drift into your life at the right yeah. time and everything. Will, yeah. Big believer in um, divine timing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. James, do you have a, do you have anything to plug? Oh, not much. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, if you're listening and you're, you're not on all our socials yet, if you've not uh, followed us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at My Song Suck, so go Go check that out and you can get updates on episodes as they release. 
How about you, Alex? You got something to plug? He's stuffing his face full of food right now. <laughs> Sorry, I should have given you a bit more runway there. To, to no, normally you go longer. Normally, <laughs> I usually cut you down in the edit when you do that. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm a musician. I'm called Your Man Alex Smith. That's my actual name. It's not, I mean, my name is Alex Smith. My stage name is Your Man Alex Smith. It's because search engine optimization is bad uh, if you're Alex Smith. And then that song. You need song, to speak to my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that song, Your Man by Bruno Mars, came out. And then all the Alex Smiths were covering Your Man and just fucked everything. Oh, uh, yeah. son of a. Shenanigans. But, uh, but if you like my music, then please, uh, you can find it on Spotify for free. Uh, and it's on YouTube. I have a, I just released a exciting music video for a line it's animated it's got cowboys or there's the the rescue me music video which has my boy james kehoe and myself i'm in, in. that one yeah yes. and i probably got a gig in the future because they just they pop up you have to have a child-friendly gig so i can bring my kids to it because they will love it mr heads <laughs> like, and yeah I, I, I hope slow burn isn't too heavy for him have they <laughs> i love it oh my husband will be there for sure yeah we'll, we'll be mm. there if we have to get babysitters we'll do it but you know Cute as hell. I'll have to have an all-ages gig. <laughs> I know uh, one one kid who's in high school, Chris, he really wants to see me play it, but he's 17. He can't yeah. come to the bars. So I'm going to have all these little kids and one 17-year-old. I've got this young <laughs> girl that comes to all my gigs and she drags along her mum, her aunties, like everyone. And I don't know how old she is, but she gets in. So hmm. she dances. Like she's, yeah. And she actually on her Instagram... She might be listening. Hi, Ellen, if you're listening. Um, but she's got it in her Instagram uh, dancer for Ray, Ray Lee AOS. And she dances at like all my shows and I love it. It's like I just, I met her randomly busking during lockdown at Australia Fair. Huh. Um, and yeah, she's my biggest supporter. That's extremely That's cute. Awesome. I love the, the Instagram tag <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing i guess that's it end of episode now um thank, thank you so much for coming on the episode and it was thanks for having me yeah you had so many s- stories it's so nice mm-hmm. to talk to you in person well you know what they say don't let the truth get in the way of a good story yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show ray um, <laughs> Now you're not sure if it was true or not. Are you? Oh <laughs> well, that's right. It's all true. I promise. I'm actually a terrible liar. <laughs> well, what a uh, what song are we ending on? I said I you because you gave us a few options. Was, yeah. Um, go play the one that I sang, not not wrote, which is all of me. All of me. Sure. The acoustic. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. It's my favorite. So okay. this song is called All of Me. Thank you very much for being here.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.